Uh, today, I would like to address a, a question. And as I address this question, I'm thinking of a, a few men that I know and care deeply about who have had this struggle. Now, by the way, this is a struggle that is common to men in general, uh, but some have uh, really fallen into some difficulties with this, and that is pornography. You know, the question goes something like this. You know, I'm, I'm married, but I'm struggling with pornography. My wife found out. She saw my history on the computer, and she realized what I'd been looking at. And it's almost destroyed my marriage. I've heard this on a number of occasions from the lips of men that truly do know the Lord and love the Lord and want to live for the Lord. But this is a, a sin that can entrap a person. By the way, a lot of times... The individual who's dealing with this sin, it is a product of exposure at a young age. Now, again, that's not an excuse. That's just a reality. I can hear uh, the voices of several men who talked about finding pornography in, their, in the bedroom drawer of their dad and others who were exposed in a variety of different ways at a very young age. And, of course, the fascination and that innocence gets shattered, and, and it's like a hidden secret that the child keeps. And then that young boy grows up, and suddenly puberty sets in. And then with that, everything that comes along with being a man and the, the drivenness, and before you know it, uh, a young man is now trapped. And, of course, we live in a day in which technology makes it so accessible, so easy to access hardcore pornography in literally an instant. It used to be years ago that you literally had to somehow, some way, go into a store to buy a magazine. Well, we're a long way from there because today we all have access via the cell phone, the iPads, the computers, and so this is a sin that is epidemic. And sadly, it is epidemic in the body of Christ. And I have seen where marriages have been pushed to the, to the limit because of a man's struggle with pornography. Generally, a man will know and acknowledge, hey, it's wrong. I hate it. I hate that I feel driven to, to, to look at this stuff. But you know what? If you're a man, I think you certainly understand the temptation that's there. Uh, years ago, a popular book, Every Man's Battle. Well, that's true. It's every man's battle. And it is a battle that we need to win in the power of the Spirit of God. So if you are listening and you are at a point where you're so uh, overwhelmed by repeated failures in this area and you're looking for hope, I'd like to just give you some suggestions on how you can find the victory over pornography. By the way, we are in a day in which apparently a number of young women are now embracing pornography or looking at pornography. And that's not healthy either. But sadly, this is the culture that we're in. Just read Romans chapter 1, by the way, and you can see the downward decline that the Word of God has said will exist when people resist God's plan for the marriage relationship. So the first thing we need to do, and, and typically most men are willing to do this, men that know the Lord, is we need to acknowledge it for what it is. It's sin, and it is serious. It is an offense against God. It is, in, in, in one sense, a breach of the marriage vow of, of uh, faithfulness. It's not adultery in the classic sense. Please don't go there. I don't have time to get into that, but that's uh, to, to apply that, I think, is outside of the biblical mandate. 
but it is serious and it is an affront to a spouse to a wife and it's a it's really an affront to the children i uh, have uh, spoken with a number of men who have had to confess this sin first to their wife who usually has caught them or then it goes a little beyond that a lot of times if they have older children he has to own up to that extremely difficult very embarrassing but you know what if we humble ourselves before the lord and humble ourselves before our our family before our spouse and before our children i have seen where the lord has worked in great ways and that's where we go we humble ourselves before the lord because we acknowledge it's sin and it's serious we don't discount it and then we confess it if we confess our sins he is faithful and just for, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I can hear a man right now saying, yeah, well, you don't know how many times I confess this, and I'm embarrassed to even talk to the Lord about it. Well, he doesn't put a lid on this in terms of forgiveness. Now, if this is a repeated sin, a besetting sin, I'm going to give you some ideas that may be helpful, but you still need to confess it, and he still promises to forgive that sin. And so I would encourage you to be very specific about the nature of that sin. Lord, I confess that and give the occasion what uh, caused you to look and what did you see. You don't want that embedded in your mind. So confess the sin, put it under the blood of Christ. It's vitally important that you do so. One of the most important things we can do is we can make a covenant with our eyes as Job did. The book of Job, the oldest book in the Bible, most believe. When you consider the way they lived in the time of Job, the way that they dressed, this is absolutely incredible what Job says in Job chapter 31 and verse 1. Job wrote, I made a covenant with my eyes. So in other words, Job is saying he cut a deal with his eyes, a covenant, an agreement. And here's the agreement with his eyes. And men, this is the agreement we need to make with our eyes. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a woman. Some translations say young virgin. Job, and think about what life was like in the time of Job. And let's remember that Job was still very much a man of God. He had this struggle. And this is one of the most important things you can possibly do is to say, hey, eyes, we're not going there. So you make up your mind where your eyes are going to go. In fact, in Job chapter 31 and verse 4, we go down just a little further past the covenant with his eyes. He says, does not he who sees my ways and numbers all my steps? In other words, doesn't God see everything? He sees my ways and numbers all my steps, we can't even have a thought that God is not aware of. Think about that for a moment. A thought comes into your mind. And by the way, that thought can be coming either from the world, from the principle of sin within. It could be coming from uh, demonic sources. But you have a thought. God knows what the thought is, just like he knows our steps. He knows our thoughts. The question is, what do we do with those thoughts? And so we need to make a covenant, an agreement with our eyes. I am not going to look lustfully on a woman. And then we've got to put up walls of protection. We've got to reduce the temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, one of the first verses I ever memorized after becoming a believer. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. 
but God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but will with the temptation provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So if I understand this verse correctly, it first of all is very realistic in that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, you're not alone in this. And it's certainly when it comes to the struggle with pornography, you're not alone in this. But notice the solution. It's to remember that God is faithful. Even when we have been unfaithful to him, God is faithful. And it says he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He will not allow you to be overwhelmed by the temptation. But he will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, the way of escape. At any given moment, prayer is there. God is there. We can turn to him. At the same time, we can also begin to to look at things we can have in place that allows us to escape. For example, filters on our phones and on our computers. We ought to do all that we can to avoid the temptation. We need to enter into a strong accountability relationship with other men where we get together and we meet on a regular basis and we get flat out honest with one another. Now, let me just point something out, and that is for us as men, this is not that easy for us. Ladies, when they get together, I mean, when my wife is with her girlfriends, it's three hours if, you know, they have the time. Three, two, three, four hours. I'm not surprised. They go to lunch. As long as the afternoon is open, hey, they're going to be talking for that long. We as men aren't so prone in that direction, a lot of us. I can remember years ago in a men's group, we were talking about the need for accountability, and we were encouraging men to get together on a regular basis. Two men that started to get together had breakfast literally practically every week, but occasionally miss on a given week. But, I mean, probably three times a month at least, they were having breakfast. And then they opened up about the fact that it took them one year before they got real with each other. So, in other words, they went to breakfast maybe 30, 35, 40 times before they got real honest about the struggles that they were having. Uh, Gentlemen, we can't wait that long to get real with one another. We need to have strong accountability as brothers in Christ. And we need to keep that accountability high up there. When we meet together, we have a biblical standard in mind. I can remember a friend uh, sat in on a session where uh, leadership in a major men's movement, they were, in one sense, showcasing their accountability meeting. It was a group of guys, and they sat there, and in the course of the exchange, again, it's being observed by some other men, including my friend, uh, they started talking about, well, you know, when the Victoria's Secret ad comes to the house, is that pornography? And so they started debating, you know, what can I look at? How far can I go before I've crossed over? Well, we've got to keep the standard high. And we, we find in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking, which were out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So, in other words, 
keep the standard, the biblical standard high. We're not talking about legalism here. We're talking about bottom line honesty. And one final point, I'm limited in terms of time, but let me just quickly point out that you need to give your wife every assurance possible that you are going to walk the path of purity and resist pornography. We are accountable to one another. So you need to go as far as you need to go in order to win this this battle. And if that includes stop traveling, add a, add a filter where she has the password, whatever it may be, we are told in Ephesians 5, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You need to be accountable to your wife, and she needs your reassurance. If we uh, can help you in any way to, to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to live for him, please uh, send me an email, john at livetheword.org. We also invite your comment, your question that we can address on a future broadcast. Once again, that email is simply john at livetheword.org.